this morning, as I share with you, the title of my message this morning is, What Are You Seeking? What Are You Seeking? It's something God just started this out with just two scriptures that he laid on my heart. Psalm 14.2 in the Christian Standard Bible, the Lord looks down from heaven on the human race looking right to see if there's anyone who is wise and anyone who would seek him. Psalm 34.10, young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Can we read that together, church? Psalm 34.10, young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good things. Say this after me. When I seek the Lord, I will not lack any good things. Together. When I seek the Lord, I will not lack any good thing. Today, we're going to talk about my focus of our message is focusing our hearts on the one thing. What is one thing, God, that I want to pursue? One thing that matters the most to me. Father, this morning, as I minister this message, Father, Lord, it comes to me first. Show me my one thing, God. Keep it real before me. And Lord, I pray that as I speak, Father, that I would speak what the Holy Spirit pens up on the inside of me, God. And Lord, I thank you for just opening our hearts to receive your word this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, In the course of doing some research for, you know, what I'm teaching today, I did a lot. I read so many articles on what is something that people are looking for the most in life right now. And I read a lot, y'all. And in fact, Friday, I thought, you know, it was 1230 midnight because it's just with administrating here at the church and doing the work of the ministry and all of that. It just it takes a while. I don't know. I've said it before. Pastor, I'm privileged that you would trust me to do this this morning with um, with these precious people of God. But glad it's your job and mine to do it all the time. But I, I read and I read and I read. And out of all of the articles that I read, I think it was probably about yeah, about 15 that I'm reading, and I took, you know, six, what I found were six things that they all had in common, and here are the six things, of what the top six things that I found during, during this research was that the number one thing people are looking for is happiness, and this happiness is found outside of oneself, right? It's found in others, like your spouse, your jobs, your family, your paycheck, the titles that you have, your beach houses, your boats, your cars, you know where I'm headed. So that is happiness that's all based on circumstances. It's circumstantial happiness, right? And we've heard happiness is a choice. It's money. The number two things out of these articles that I found in common was money. No matter how much money you have, you're going to work to make more money because money affords you the ability to live a certain lifestyle and to keep up with your lifestyle, you got to have more. So the more money you make, the more money you want. Number three is freedom. We all want this, but are we truly free? The majority of the self-help books that we see, you know, it's um, how to experience true freedom in life is to live life with zero restraints. Can you imagine what our world would be like with zero restraints? Freedom. What is freedom? Number four is peace. We want peace from noise, from chatter, from pressure. We want peace from our responsibilities, peace from even the own, our own thoughts 
and the conflicts that arise internally inside of us. We're constantly fighting for it. And then we want joy. The fifth thing that I found was joy. This comes from having the right job, having good success. Everything in my world is good. I'm joyful and happy. All right, circumstantial again. Fulfillment. The, the sixth thing that I found in these articles was fulfillment. Living up to one's highest potential. But here's where true fulfillment is found in the way that the world describes it. It's I think of myself first beyond the needs of others. Okay, I want to protect myself. So my true fulfillment is found by not meeting your needs. It's meeting my needs. So let's just go with the idea this morning that these six things mentioned above represents all of us, self-included, in this room this morning, right? That we all desire happiness, we all desire money, prosperity, freedom, we want peace, we want joy, and we want to find that fulfilled place in life. These things are not bad things. Do you think this morning that God wants us to have these things? Do you? He does. It's a good thing. It's not a trick question. Yes. Remember what I had you read in Psalm 3410? No good thing. Right? Is happiness good? Money good? Peace? Joy? Fulfillment? They're all good things. That's why I had you read that. God doesn't want to withhold any good thing from us. Right? So it's good. So if you could say in one word today, what was the most important thing for you? What would it be? Anybody? Got a chance on the mic. Anybody? What would be your one thing that you would want? Peace. Okay, peace. That's all right. God desires Maureen for you to have peace. So there is, um, I, I probably am going to butcher his last name, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I think it's how you pronounce it in German. See, I look everything up. How do you say this? But if you know better, you can correct me later. He says, things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter the least. I'll read it again. Things which matter the most must never be at the mercy of things which matter the least. So it's been said that the reality, in the reality of death, you know, that death has an amazing power to alter our desires. It will show us what is truly important and perhaps reprioritize things in our lives. In other words, I would dare to say that if I were on my deathbed today, something that mattered most to me right now, it probably wouldn't be this. If you were on your deathbed today, the things that were important to you this morning when you woke up might become a dismal thought of your past, okay? Um, So the things that matter the most should never be at the expense of something that matters the least. If peace is what matters most to Maureen, It should never be at the expense of her doing things that would cost her that peace. It should never be, right? Pursuing relationships with people who only bring you anxiety. That ain't peaceful. So we got to leave it alone, right? Psalms 27.4, and this is a key passage that I'm going to keep referring back to. It's David from the New American Standard Bible. He says, one thing, one thing. Have I asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek. So he's asking and he's seeking one thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, not just some days, all the days of his life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Some Bible scholars indicate that Psalms 27 was written at a very tumultuous time in David's history. You have some scholars that say, hey, it was written when Saul was chasing him, which I don't tend to lean on that side. 
And some who say that it was written when Absalom, his own son, had risen up and torn, you know, the kingdom in two, coming after David. And But David's cry was for this one thing, right? We can see that David prayed. Praying means asking. I asked the Lord. So David said, hey, I prayed. I said, God, this is one thing that I need right now. In this whole time of insurrection, this is what I need. And then he followed up with an action. He said, God, I'm going to seek this one thing. David desired to dwell in the house of the Lord, right? To stay with, to sit down, to have intimacy with God. He desired something that he desired more than anything else was that at this time in my life, Father, I just want to sit with you because I just need to keep my focus on you. It's just like worship. All those words, it's not just words that we're just singing because we have nothing better to sing. It's words that we sing because this is what we need to be reminded of, that God, Christ, is worthy of everything, and all honor belongs to him. This is why we sing. David desired this one thing. What is the one thing in life that you are seeking this morning? Once we choose this one thing, it can affect the entire course of our life. If it's success in business or pursuing money and notoriety, right, what will it cost you? Some of our things, we could be looking for everybody to like our post on Facebook. What does it cost you? I don't have time to make dinner, but you're looking for everybody to like the one thing that you're posting on Facebook. It's simple. What is the one thing? Some, it's always going to cost. In business, your employer, your employer cares about just one thing. It's the bottom line. All right? They don't care about how you're doing spiritually. They don't care. It's, ministry is different. But I'm talking when I work corporate, it was one thing that they cared about. Are you meeting the numbers? Are you meeting the sales? One thing, God cares that not only are we successful in our spiritual life, he cares that we're successful in work, in family, in relationships, and he wants us to be good at it at the same time. Not just that we put our attention on this today and here tomorrow. He wants us to have holistic health in our lives, right? Promise, that's in his word. So in our pursuit um, of our one thing, we have all sinned. As I have pursued things in my life, I have sinned, I have fallen, I have fallen short of the goal. But we, so we all have experienced failure. I used to tell my kids, we don't fail, we just learn how not to do it that same way again. But you get where I'm going. We have all experienced things in life that has pulled us down and backwards. Everyone, and if you haven't, hi, I I would love to meet you at the end of service, but we all have. But what we have to recognize is that we get up and we must choose to recover, okay? We gotta choose to recover. We gotta choose to move forward. The, the rear view mirror is this small in comparison to that windshield, okay? So we don't focus, I've said it before, we don't focus on that little rear view mirror. We look on what's ahead. So we choose to move forward. And David, you know that he recovered, you know the story. He recovered after Bathsheba. That was the worst sin that he committed, it was. Psalm fifty-one, twelve in the NLT says that David said to the Lord, restore to me, Lord, restore to me, Father, the joy of what it was to be saved, the joy of my salvation, and make me willing, Father, to obey you. Make me willing to obey you. Acts thirteen twenty-two. this is what the apostle said. He said, God removed Saul and replaced him with David. And here's what God said about David. Oh my gosh, I want to see my name penned in the, in the story one day. A man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, right? 
a man after my own heart. Because he will do, David will do everything that I command David to do. Listen, there is something exciting happening. You are living in biblical times. And in the millennial reign, there are going to be stories that's being told about Bill, about Charles, about Juanita. We're going to have our day too. When these little ones that comes around us, listen, if you don't know about the millennial reign of Christ, I could talk about that all day. Come on, Brennan, I promise. Just like how the apostles had their name written, there's going to come a generation that remembers you and me because heaven's going to be talking about what we did for God. There's exciting. It's exciting to be alive in God's kingdom. All right? But there's no lifestyle of sin to those who seek to do and obey the word of God. It's not a lifestyle of sin. I may mess up, but I don't have a lifestyle of sin, y'all. If I do, I'm not walking where I'm telling you I'm walking. It's different. So remember, we can fall, but it's not a lifestyle of falling that you want to get into the habit of, right? So what does it mean to seek God? Psalm 27, 4 says, David said, here's this one thing that I shall seek. It means that we will pray. So that's why we see proceeding, I shall seek. David said, I ask God. So, me, so how do we seek him? We ask him. Okay, David desired to dwell in the house of the Lord at a time in Israel's history when there wasn't a temple, there wasn't a church, it was just a tent. So if this happened during Absalom, let's just go with the thought that it happened while Absalom was taking his kingdom from him. Who was David at the time that Absalom took the kingdom from him? He was, I heard it over here. He was a king, right? So kings live in what? Palace. Hey, I need you all to play along with me. So he was a king. He lived in a palace. Kings have what? What do they have at their disposal? <laughs> Come on. All day long. But David said, I want to dwell in a tent. He wants to dwell in the tent. What was in the tent? What was in the tent? He desired to be where the presence of God was, right? It means David said, hey, I am coming after you, Father, with my whole heart for the rest of my life. There's a verse in Jeremiah 13 that says in the Amplified Classic, it says, then you will seek me, you will inquire for and require me. God's saying, you will seek me, Vicki. You will inquire for me, you will require me as your vital necessity and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God can be found of us. He will not hold himself back from us when we pursue him. He told David in Psalms 27, 8, when David asked, he said, you know, here's this one thing. God says, seek my face. If God gave him permission to seek his face, don't you know that he wanted to have been found by David? Right? So Psalms 34, 8 says, oh, taste and see, beloved, that the Lord, our God, our God, he is good. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied. You are blessed and happy and fortunate to be envied by others who don't know him. It's a man or woman who trusts and take their refuge in the most high God. He himself, God himself is the blessings. He is the blessing, just blessing. But good things that follows in our lives are just a byproduct of living a life that is where you're searching for the beauty of God. Okay, your good thing in life is just a byproduct of knowing the Father. It's just a byproduct of you just being born and God saying, hey, I'm your creator. Okay, so when we desire and seek intimacy with God, we begin to learn to see things from God's perspective. 
Let me dig a little bit into that. David said in Psalms 27, 1, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right? The Lord is his light. In the Old Testament, it talks in Psalms 119, verse 105, the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? That's what it says. We used to sing that to the kids in children's church. That's one of the first verses that we teach them in children's church. Because God's, his word is a map that takes us through the dark places in life. Okay? It's a light that illuminates. But get this, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, no reference of God has ever been made that God was light. How did David know that God was light? How do you know? Okay? I'll get to that. Salvation. So he said, God, you are my light and you are my salvation. David is talking here about a physical rescue that he's looking for. David is speaking about his physical salvation. John 17, 3 says, and this is the way to have eternal life. It is to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to this earth. The Christian life is not simply having a mental head knowledge of who God is. It's being able to put our trust in God that when hell shows up, God, you are my light and my physical rescue, God, that you will deliver me above the hand of my enemies. The the words that David has used in these Psalms makes me believe that David had some type of deeper knowledge and understanding than just everybody else so far in the Old Testament. He had a knowledge that goes beyond what my knowledge would have been. It was personally connected. He took these things, these adjectives to describe God as, as, you know, protecting him, right? And these pronouns, God is a protector. He is light. He is salvation. How did David know that? You see, we have to learn to trust God in the midst of our uncertainty. So back when I was pregnant with my youngest, Elijah, this was in 2006, my husband and I, we have been through so much, especially with business. We started a business back in 2003, and that's a different story. And I was going to tell that, but I'm feeling a prompting to go here. So in 2006, it seems like everything just showed up. The baby's coming. There's no health insurance. You know, I've got to deal with the IRS for some business stuff. And all of this is coming, like I'm telling you, two weeks before Elijah was born. And two weeks before Elijah was born, it seems like no work was coming for the business. So we ran a retrofitting company for lighting. We did lighting probably for about 15 years. But when this had happened in 2006, it was like, what are we going to do? Bills are due, babies being born. And Shane and I just got real quiet. We walked very loving and peaceful with each other. But our, 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 <laughs> I won't say who it was, but it was, it was someone that we saw every single day. <laughs> Every single day we saw this person. And what happened was, is that they, Shane had a firebird, a 69 firebird that he restored, beautiful. He is into old cars. I mean, he can do magic with his hands and restore old cars. He's a classic hot rod, you know, car lover, and he is just excellent at what he does. He has great passion for it. So he restored this car, and someone that we see every day convinced him, hey, take this car up to West Virginia and put it up here in a storage place because you can ride up here. You know, the roads are good for racing and stuff like that. And he took it, and he put it up there. Remember, the same people. 
So they had our car up there, and hey, Shane, we're handling it. So we really didn't have any, you know, a whole lot of finances happening. We had a 200-acre farm that we were trying to timber off, and we were just trying to do everything that we could. Men in this room, let me give you a blessing today. You have an anointing in you that comes from the Father, all of the men, the young and the old, that comes from the Father, that in you, God has placed the anointing to gain great wealth. Look at your hands and say, God's given me the ability to gain wealth. You have something supernatural on the inside of you. It's a God part of your DNA that you could see how to get money all day long. And woman, look at yourself and say, I'm a good thing because I could spend it. (laughs) God's given us the ability to manage well. Okay? So it takes both. We're very complementary to each other, guys. We're not in competition with each other, okay? So when all of this happened, here's long story short, I had to get the state police, the the FBI, State Bureau of Investigation involved because they had his car in a storage unit. And then here's what they did. They never paid up the bill like they were saying. So here, somehow the other Shane has this thing inside of him. I know that it was the Lord. He said, you know, I'm going to go check on my car. When he went up there, there was a notice put in on there from the storage unit place that everything was getting ready to be sold because the bill wasn't paid. True story. So our car was getting ready to be taken away from us, and there was nothing that it seemed that we couldn't go. Amira got real busy, pregnant and all, because I'm my husband's helper. And I started calling and chasing down the FBI um, and the state police, the state police got involved because it was over, you know, over state lines that we were crossing to do this. I was in North Carolina. This was in West Virginia. They got involved. Long story short, we got our car back. Those people, it seemed like they weren't getting in trouble. And to make it worse, what happened is that the person that we see every day took all of our contracts and give it to this person who was stealing from us. So all of our work dropped out, guys. When I tell you that it hit bottom, it hit bottom for us. But God. So when that happened, Shane and I resolved right away because we were seeing this person every single day. I'd go out of my driveway and I'm seeing this person. And I realized in this moment that I had to take the high road and encourage my husband and he encouraged me that we weren't trying to cut anybody. Listen, y'all, y'all don't really know me. My kids will tell you, you know, some days I pray, Lord, don't let my children see the ghetto side in me. Some days it's just real like that. And they'll tell you, she can go there. (laughs) But I had to pray that God steadied my heart, that I would look and he say, bless those who curse you. And let me tell you, things started going real bad for these people. But God pulled Shane and I out of it. In the midst of David's trouble, he said, I'm not looking to take vengeance I'm not looking to protect my title. I'm not looking to get the kingdom back. God, you are my one thing. One thing. That's what he said. So there are times in turmoil, and it's not that I've conquered turmoil, y'all. But even, right, the Bible says that we are to trust God. Trust God. Just believe. That's all. Believing is, it's not easy as it sounds. It sounds easy, but it's not when we're going through. But even, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4 in the Passion Translation, even if our gospel message is veiled, so even when the message of God is it's hidden, right? It is only hidden, veiled, to those who are perishing. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. Who is the God of this age? The devil, right? He's not locked up anywhere, Bill. 
He's, he's here. So it's been blinded by the God of this age, right? Leaving these veiled, blinded people in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the divine image of God. We must walk gently with those whose eyes have been blinded by the enemy. It, it wasn't a time for me to take revenge. It was a time for me to put my game face on and say, you know what? You have intended harm for me, but my God, he is the one that supplies all of my needs according to his riches, not what's in my bank account or how much lumber I've got in my yard. Okay? And God showed up for Shane and Mira. So we had to walk in forgiveness with it and do this love walk. And today, these people, we still see them every day. We're there for them, and they're there for us. And God brought peace again, where there was one time no peace. All right, this is how we live, you all. God will reconcile. We are in the ministry of reconciliation. The whole goal is that we, we are not separated from each other. But even when we hurt, even when there is destruction, and it seems like this, God's desire is for us to come back together. Okay, David was able to trust God and place his hope in God in the midst of all of his troubles. And then, you know, where I said we'll come back to this little thing when David was calling God light and salvation. Acts 2, verse 30, the apostle Peter declared that he called David a prophet. He said David's a prophet because he was able to see God allowed David to have some deep knowing of who God was in the Old Testament. Right? Psalms 22, if you go back to that, it's a Psalm of David. David spoke about Messiah. How in the world could David have seen Messiah when Messiah wasn't even there? I'm telling you that when we tend, when we look for God, we will see who he is. Just as much as he revealed what that word holiness, I, I know what it says according to the dictionary. But I had to reach out and say, Father, what do you say? Because I wanted, just two weeks ago, to have a clear understanding. It means that everything in him, all of heaven says, Father, you are perfect. There's nothing, and, and you know, I can trust perfect. I can, because perfect doesn't lie. Perfect doesn't hurt. So intimacy with God doesn't mean that you and I will have a trouble-free life. Psalms 27, 2, he says, When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh... They stumbled and fell. David was seeing things from God's perspective, right? When our enemy comes against us, we got to look. What does God say? He sits on the holy throne with laughter. He laughs at his enemies. We got to start laughing at our enemies too, okay? Intimacy does give us peace in the midst of our trouble. If peace is one of the highest things that people are seeking, God's peace is not like our peace. Our peace, it's like, we're up one moment, we're down the other. Things are not going our way, and we are angry, we are upset, everyone is walking on eggshells around us. That's our peace. God's peace, it sustains. It's steady all the time. He never changes with us. So though a, in verse 3 in that Psalms, he's, David says, though a host encamp against me, this is enemies again, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, even then in this I will be confident. I will be confident. David says that I will live and see the goodness of the Lord. He was confident. He had peace. He was able to place his hope, his trust, and his confidence in our good God. So do we know the word? Do we know that Christ is truly our light and our salvation? Can we run to him and say, God, you are my refuge, my strength, my shield, right? Um, what does it look like to seek God? 
It looks like we want to behold his beauty like David said. How do we do that? Right? We want to behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold means to gaze at something, to admire. You're looking with deep intent. Beauty in the Hebrew has so many meanings, such as goodness, character, mercy, justice, the perfection. There's that word again. Two weeks ago, he showed me that. The perfection of his being, his attributes. I need strength. Well, who is the perfectly strong one? It is God. You need protection. Who is the ultimate protector? It is God. You need provision. Who owns a cattle on a thousand hill? Not Bill Gates. It is God. It is God. All right. David's focus on God has one thing pulled his heart into a posture of worship. He wanted fellowship with God. He goes on to declare that God is his shelter and his hiding place. In verse six, we see that David just couldn't contain himself any longer. And he walked in there and he just started declaring and singing about God and his praises. He said, God, I'm going to sing and praise you. He couldn't contain it anymore because he's looking at God's beauty now. And all of a sudden he sees something that he didn't see before. I'm going, God is worthy of praise. So when we behold God, we can't help but to worship God. Worshiping him comes from the preciousness, from the preciousness of knowing God's value and who he is to us. That's where our worship comes from. The way that we worship God declares our understanding of who he is. All right. Think of Mary at the feet of Jesus, right? She saw him and she gave him everything that she had, everything, nothing withheld. She made a pure spectacle of herself when people were saying, hey, if Jesus only knew the manner of woman this was, he wouldn't have her touching him. But yet she started crying and she started taking that hair and wiping his feet, y'all. Those feet walked on everything nasty, and Jesus said, he's like, I came in here. You didn't offer me anything to wash my feet. But here she is wiping it with her hair and her tears. David said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. What are we giving to him? See, because when we know him, that's where worship comes from. Right? William Temple, I love this quote. He says, worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, his perfection, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty. You mean my imagination can become purified by God's perfection? Absolutely. The opening of the heart to God's love, the surrender of will, of my will, of your will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, right? David adored God. He said, God, I want to behold you. That's how he could praise him. He said, I'll give you everything. You see, far too many times we go to the Lord only when our crisis hits, only when things are bad for us. We tend to just do our normal check-ins. And what I mean by that is that when things are good, we come to church and, and we do our service to God. We give financially. We give of our time, our talents, our gifts, you know. Um, but adoration, as the above quote suggests, it says that we are giving it to things that are temporal in value. We are. These things that we're pursuing, those six top things, they're just temporary things when they're based on outward circumstances making life good for you and I. 
right? So we do the proverbial, you know, I'm blessed and highly favorable. Praise God, I've got this, you know. Uh, but are we truly living the way that he desires? He said, I know that David will do all that I require of him. All right? So we just don't want to give God all of this thanks and praise and just go our merry way and do what we want to do. We don't want to go through the motions of Christian living. You know, we don't want to have our hearts far from beholding God's beauty. And then when crisis hit, we need everyone around us to pray, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. What did David do when he needed God? He went to God. See, but this is what happens when we live in crisis mode. We need everybody else. Remember those six things? It's all outward, outward focus. When life happens, you will not be the first person that I run to. I've just learned that in the quiet, I just, you know, I can't wait sometimes really just to get away. Like even now, I can't wait until I'm through. Y'all, this was one of the hardest messages I, I thought um, that I never even wanted to teach again. Because all I have is just those two scriptures. And I don't know why. So I don't know what God's, what's coming, but I know that I could trust him. You see, so I can't wait to get away with my thoughts with God. Because even as I speak, he's ministering to me. It, the message always comes to you first. When you get a good scripture, it's not to cast shade on somebody, y'all. It's God's pointing something out to you. So God was telling me something with those two opening verses that I need to pay special attention to. All right, so we don't want to be in crisis mode seeking God. You know, have we ever had a friend or a family member who only calls us when something's bad? We don't want to just call God when something's bad. I mean, your good day, God, let me just tell you about my day, how good you've been to me. He wants to hear from us. He desires that. You know, so we need to have a conversation with the Father and Jesus and know them, become personally acquainted with them. We want to be able to give God our very best. The rate of return is far greater, far greater than this false sense of security that we have in things that are just temporary in our lives, okay? We will never be able to truly worship our Father in heaven the way that we were made to if we lack the proper understanding of truth as his word declares him to be. You gotta know who he is to you, what he has delivered you from, what he's pointing you to, and then your praise will come forth. It will come forth. It will break forth, the Bible says. So Romans 12, 1, this was Paul. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, I beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive decision right, of your bodies presenting all of your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. What is your faculties? My eyes, God, they will not look upon anything that's unholy. My ears, God, will not look upon anything or, or listen to anything that's unholy. God, my mouth will only speak what is gracious and what is gentle. It will not strive with others. I will not argue on Facebook and Instagram and whatever it is and, and try to hurt someone with my words, God. I will be gentle. The servant of the Lord must be gentle above everything else. I will not look to gain revenge on my neighbor. Revengeance is the Lord and he will repay. Thus says the Lord. All right. So how do I do it? How do I do all of this stuff? You know what? And let me talk about the costing. 
You know, a lot of us, sometimes if I just waited to get the things that God pinted up in my heart out on a platform, and I think I've said this before, if Joshua only got his worship out in front of you all and thought, well, okay, great, because he got applause, if that's what we were looking for, we would never do anything for God. Some of us, we wait until all circumstances are right before we give of our time, before we give of our money, before we give of our gifts before God. When our children's ministry, we should never have a need for those kids not to be taught the word of God. We should never have it. You see, it's a hot spot for me. This is the only place through the week that they get to connect with other little believers. Because in their schools, they are not believers. Why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? No, because that's not what the Lord's called me to. But we're waiting to get all these words of wisdom that God's placed in here for somebody to hear. Why? Okay, so how do we do this? This is a positive message, y'all. It's a positive message. How do we do this? How do we seek God? We meditate. We inquire. He says that I would have this one good thing, God, to dwell in your house all the days of my life, that I would behold the beauty of God, and that I would meditate and inquire of him always. So staying in the house of the Lord helps us to do all of those things. What is the house of the Lord? You, beloved, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are. It's not this building that makes a difference in your life. Now, let me tell you, there is something supernatural that happens when we all get together. At one time, I was teaching the kids in children's ministry, and I was teaching them about, you know, it was baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, man, I'm hitting a wall. But then at some point in the message, I started talking about all their angels. I said, you know what, kids? I said, if Miss Mira and you all could see into the invisible, all of our angels are seated around this building. They can't wait to get together because we're together. And when I said that, 10 kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they start talking in tongues. Because it's supernatural. We were aware that it was more than just us. So when you come together, something spectacular is happening in the kingdom. Do not. Those online, online church is not the best way of church. There is strength in the body. There's strength. There's no accountability when we're in our bed in our pajamas drinking coffee watching a sermon online. But there's strength in the body. You are a strength to me and I am to you. Whether you believe that or not, that's the way that God has declared it. Okay? Nothing wrong. Sometimes we have to. But if you can get out, of that box and come to church, come to church. Your sisters and your brothers, they need you. We need the gift in you. So how do we do this? We meditate in choir. Psalms 27.4, David says to meditate in God's temple. He went to ask the Lord. He went to talk with the Lord. He did not seek the priest or the counsel of others. He went straight to the source. He had no ulterior motives for seeking God. You know, Saul was after David because he was protecting his kingdom. He wanted to kill him. David wasn't trying to protect the kingdom. Again, he just wanted to hear from God. He said, God, you know, when all of this is gone, he said, I just got you. You know, if we were to say, I, I, even this morning I pulled it up, if we were to take what David gave to the Lord for the temple, he had over 100,000 talents of gold. So when we took all of this, I'm sure Sean would probably be able to, to pull this up. The equation of what it took for David and God's people to build that temple was over close to $20 billion in our today's money. That man had money. He had everything. I mean, like, it was like, man, God bless David. And Solomon had even more. What I'm saying, God, even back then, he's not out of resources. 
God desires to see you blessed. But the motives have to be right. David took all of it. He said, I'm going to give it back to God. And he ended up with more. I want to do it the Bible way. God, help me to do it the Bible way. Please help me to do it the Bible way. All right, so going back to my opening scriptures, David had nothing ulterior. He just wanted to think on God, inquire from God. Psalm 14.2 says that the Lord looks down from heaven to see who is wise, to see who would seek him. When David inquired of the Lord, the Lord says, David, seek my face. God's looking for you and I today. Irene, the Lord is looking for you. I'm speaking prophetically to you. He's looking for you to seek him with your whole heart. He'll meet everything. You are endeared to him, and he loves you. Psalm 3410, young lions. We are young lions, y'all, right? But we're not hungry like the other young lions. The Bible calls us babes at 100. Young lions, they seek food and they get hungry. But the one who seeks God, he has promised not to withhold anything good from you and I. What is good? What is good? He desires that we walk in his wisdom and he desires to bless us. So the good things, the happiness, the provision, the freedom, the joy, the fulfillment, right? Having these things the way that the perishing world will give it will result in you feeling more dissatisfied than you have ever felt in your whole life. But when God gives it, you will have, the Bible says that the blessings of the Lord makes us rich and to it he adds zero, no sorrow, none. When we have things the way that God intends it, somehow the other, even if I just got enough to buy wonder bread and not nature's own bread, Somehow the other, it's going to taste real good and it will nourish my body. You see where I'm going? It's not circumstance. It's just that God has a plan for you and I, right? He just wants us to walk with that. So when we have things God's way, like David, we can declare that he will withhold nothing good from you and I. So moving forward as I close, um, My encouragement to us all, this is for me too. Remember I said, this came to me first. That's why it's just been, I'm like, God, am I not seeking you? Y'all, I told the team this week, when I wake up and I don't wake up with a song in my heart, to the Lord, I say, Lord, have I done something to displease you? I walk with a song on my lips every day and a scripture in my heart. This is how we live, guys. And if you, I promise, if you start your day with just a song of praise, if you don't wake up with it, find it. Look for it for your life with your whole heart, a song of praise and a scripture. It will help you to live that life that God wants you to live for that day. It's just for today. Take no thought of tomorrow, right? Sufficient are the worries for tomorrow. But today, if there's a good thing that you're lacking, he desires to meet that need in you. Okay, so investigate, identify your habits. What motivates you? Is it success? Is it work? Money? Is it friends? Are you looking for the approval of others? Because when you look for the approval of others, when they don't approve of you, if you live for their acceptance, you're going to perish on the inside when they reject you. Our worth is wrapped up in God and how he sees us, right? Are you looking for title and recognition? That's not what it's all about. 
So what is one spiritual discipline that you can begin today? What is one spiritual discipline that you can begin today? Impact from a new habit is just like planting a seed. You're not going to see that plant right away. It takes time. But with consistent discipline, consistently for the course of 28 years of my life, I have walked with the Lord. And every morning without fail, before that alarm goes up at five o'clock, my eyes will open. It's changed my life. It made me not want to hurt that neighbor. Not that the thought wasn't there, but I recognized that his eyes were veiled and that God was on the throne and that the Lord would bring reconciliation. Okay, so investigate your habits and start a new discipline with God. All right, um... In time, you will begin to see the difference.